that morning time, that's my time. And I focus on myself. I focus on journaling. I focus on working out. I focus on stretching yoga. And aside from journaling, the thing that helps me, I'd say set the stage to create a masterpiece of a day would be meditation. Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. Part CEO, part personal development wonk, and part biohacker info geek, my guest today is a self-confessed serial entrepreneur. While his favorite book list contains many success-oriented and personal development classics, the classic definition of achieving success, e.g. make a lot of money, is not what inspires or motivates him. He follows more of a, you aren't doing well unless you're also doing some good, line of thinking. His company has been built around the simple principles of do the right thing. I have with me today, Tom King. Tom, thank you for joining me on the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, thank you so much, Tommy. I appreciate you having me on and um, I'm ready to dig in. Tom, I wanted to get you on the show today because you are a serial entrepreneur who's delved into the business that is the health space. So I wanted to dig deeper into, I guess, your journey specifically and some of the challenges along the way. But before we do that, are you able to give us a little bit of rundown on what it is that you do? Yeah, definitely. I'm the CEO and head food scientist at Icon Foods. And Icon Foods supplies sweeteners and sweetening systems and inclusions like chocolate chips and sprinkles to companies that target low-carb, keto, paleo consumers. So I formulate, we supply ingredients. That's my job as a CEO. And then my side hustle is Gaigon Keto. So about five years ago, I wrote a book about jumping into my ketogenic journey, if you will. And from that, I launched a line of sugar-free, keto-friendly condiments. And now I've got a line of cocktail mixes, keto-friendly cocktail mixes that come out next month. Yeah. And talking about Icon Foods and keto, mm -hmm. those two business ventures, they kind of complement themselves, right? Because I guess yeah. um, the concept of keto is reducing the carbohydrate intake. And yeah. so I guess, have you been able to kind of use the two businesses to complement each other? Oh yeah, definitely. So I would say that that Icon Foods is probably the reason that I jumped into the sort of a ketogenic lifestyle. I mean, I was in Las Vegas on, uh, you know, for a trade show. This is like maybe five years ago and, and went out to dinner with one of our suppliers and they bought dinner. So I ate a lot, had a big steak and cake and potato and like some wine and then got up to my room and just like looked in the mirror and I was like carrying about 35 pounds of extra weight. My blood pressure was like through the roof and I just wasn't healthy. But I would say that the thing that really pushed me more is I felt like an imposter, you know, because I was working with all of these keto companies and all these companies that were, you know, promoting a healthy lifestyle. And I wasn't, I wasn't walking my talk. So at that point, I was, the, I would say that the pain, um, I would say that the pain of my crappy behavior 
um, exceeded the pleasure that I was deriving from it. And I've always been a big proponent of journaling. It was like, how am I going to make this lifestyle change? What am I going to do to surround myself, you know, by people that are supportive in this? And a year later, I had an entire book. And that was sort of the genesis of Guy Gone Keto. Yeah, I do want to talk about journaling a bit more later on, but let's stay with Guy Gone Keto. What's the keto lifestyle mean to you and what's it all about? Yeah, you know, at first I thought what came up for me and when I started it, I thought this was just really about losing weight. I mean, I was only carrying an extra 35 pounds, which I'm 6'2", so it wasn't a ton of weight. It was just more, I didn't feel tip top. But the more that I journeyed down the ketogenic path, the more I realized all of the benefits. And the biggest benefit was actually like brain function. So my energy level just like went through the roof. And usually in the afternoon when I started to feel that drag coming and, you know, I'd have to have a couple shots of espresso to wake up. And it's just the afternoon, you know, sleepiness. When I started doing keto, that went away. Like I had sustained energy throughout the day. And I even really kind of dug deeper and got more involved in the community and started following people like Dom D'Agostino, who is like the OG keto professor and really got into like brain function, how it reduces inflammation and can actually abate cancer and neurodegenerative disease and, and seizures and stuff like that. So that's what I really started getting into the science of it. And that's when it's like, yeah, this is my new home. Yeah. And I think with keto, when someone's first starting out with the diet or, or the lifestyle, there is a transition period where your body needs to kind of adapt to the foods that you're taking in. Mm-hmm. I, I guess a lot of people don't give keto enough time for it to kind of have those those benefits. Do you have mm-hmm. any commentary to the people who are, you could say that are still skeptic of that lifestyle and prefer other ways of dieting? Yeah, I wouldn't say that keto is for everybody. Yep. Keto is for me. And I know that there's a lot of people that find success in being vegan or other sort of lifestyles like that. For me, I find that keto really works because my body's adapted to it. And as far as people, as consumers, not being able to stick it out because it's too difficult, I would say that you should take a look at what you're eating and you're probably not doing it right because you can ease yourself into keto. I mean, basically, the ketogenic diet is 70% fats and 20% proteins and 10% cruciferous vegetables. So I get hit with this nonsense all the time about, well, all you eat is meat and cheese and nothing could be further from the truth. I eat a lot of salad, I eat a lot of vegetables. I limit my protein to being about 20% of what I consume. So I'm not eating a ton of meat and a ton of cheese. Like mostly what I'm eating is nuts, avocados. If I do eat meat, I love salmon. I usually drizzle a lot of olive oil on whatever I'm eating. So I would say if you tried keto and you failed at keto, I would say reconsider and take a look at really what you're eating. You're not just going to eat meat and cheese. Create some variety. And there's tons of workarounds too, like pizza. You can make a keto pizza pretty easy. So I would say stick with it. But if it's not your thing, right, and you feel better being a vegetarian or you feel better being a vegan, you know, stick with what works for you. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've seen a couple posts on my social following where mm. people talk about going keto and there's a, a full rack of ribs on the table, but there's a lot of barbecue sauce on top. And, mm-hmm. you know, they don't realize the amount of carbohydrates that they're intaking from that one meal. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you could sit down and eat a rack of ribs and it'll throw you right out of keto, not only because barbecue sauce actually has more sugar than ice cream, but also you're going to be taking in a ton of protein. You know, Mm. and so that's where people, I think, really misinterpret like how keto should be done because protein won't keep you in keto. Too much protein will knock you out of keto because you can only absorb so much protein, right? And then your body, your liver starts converting those proteins into what's called glycogens. It's, It's glycosis. And so the glycogens are stored in your muscles. So when you need to have some glucose, right? When you need to have that instant shot of energy, it pulls it from your muscles. So a lot of times if people that are eating tons of protein to get moved into keto will probably suffer a little bit more because they're trying to get all of the glycogens out of their muscles. So it's like, just go easy on the protein. So yeah, rack of ribs, probably not gonna keep you in keto unless you use like the Gigon Keto barbecue sauce, which doesn't have any sugar in it. Yeah. Now that we're talking more about the specific types of foods, what's an example day like for a person on keto diet? What's an example breakfast meal? What's an example lunch and then dinner meal? Yeah. Like for breakfast, how about scrambled eggs with some bacon, maybe some kale, some veggies or some broccoli, whatever seasonal in your part of the world. And always remember portion control, right? So when you see somebody eating a rack of ribs, is that really portion control? Like portion can actually fit in the palm of your hand. So if it fits in the palm of your hand, it's a portion. If it doesn't fit in the palm of your hand, it's not a portion. So keto doesn't mean eating a whole cake just because it's keto because you're still going to have to watch calories. Like if you're taking in 4,000 calories or 5,000 calories and your body's only burning 1,500, it's not going to work. So moderation in all things. Yeah. Now, Gigon Keto, the, mm-hmm. the brands, types of food products that you're bringing out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that there's a Gigon Keto barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and there's Gigon Keto cocktails as well. Can you talk yeah. us through, I guess, the journey of product development and then <laughs> how is customer feedback like at the moment? I'm a food scientist. So the product development was really like basically a selfish endeavor on my part. So when I adopted a ketogenic lifestyle, I found that there was so much stuff I couldn't have. Like I couldn't have teriyaki sauce. I couldn't have sweet chili sauce. I couldn't have ketchup, barbecue sauce, steak sauce. You go through the whole litany of condiments and 90% of them are loaded with sugar and you can't have them. So I just went into the lab and I'm like, okay, I can retool the ketchup to be sugar-free. So I started making them in the lab and I started sharing them with my friends and they were like, well, why don't you bottle this up and sell it? (laughs) And I have a food company. I don't know why I didn't think of it before, but that seemed like a pretty good idea. So we released it and it was an immediate success because it was something that our label's super clean. I mean, I really just made it for myself. Like what would I eat? Like I want a minimal amount of ingredients. I want them to be all natural ingredients. I don't want any artificial sweeteners in them. So I just made them exactly how I would like them. And it just seemed like other people that were practicing keto or people that are practicing paleo or just low carb or want to limit their sugars. 
really liked them a lot. So we had influencers get them and are like, this is the best stuff ever. And it worked out for us. Yeah. And you said before, Gaigon Keto is at the moment your side hustle. You're still CEO of Icon Foods. What's that dynamic like at the moment? Because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I myself have a, yeah. a corporate job, but this podcast and this venture is my side hustle. Nice. But I'm starting to see a, a level of enjoyment that's, that's pushing more towards the side hustle. So at some yeah. point, I, I need to make a decision. What's that dynamic like for yourself? You know what? That's and congratulations. That's really good. So now you're you're venturing into being an entrepreneur. I would say that my job as CEO is not my favorite job. I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I never was looking for a job. I was like looking for a way to not have a job. So being CEO is really like having a job for me, and I do it because I have an amazing team that I've surrounded myself with, and I would say that that also affords me the ability to be able to work on my side hustle. But what I've done with my side hustle is I've delegated a lot of stuff off. Like we have co-packers that manufacture it for us. We have a third-party logistics team that actually does all of our fulfillment. So there's not a ton of effort that has to go into it aside from marketing. And we're very active on social media and product development, which is easy for me because I'm doing product development every day. Yeah, I think that's great to hear that you're you're able to manage the two responsibilities um, mm -hmm. and you're still finding joy out of the ventures. Let's talk about stress and stress management. You mentioned earlier that you're an avid journaler. Mm -hmm. So talk us through journaling, but then also some of the other ways that you manage stress. Well, if you're going to be a leader in any particular situation, whether it's an entrepreneur or being a CEO, you really have to practice self-care. And that is something that I didn't practice a lot years ago. And I kept finding myself falling into burnout and burnout's a really terrible place to be because then you've got nothing for nobody. You know, you can't, you know, you can't lead, you can't focus. So, I mean, burnout's really awful. I mean, I've had it a couple of times and I'm not keen on having it again. So, I mean, the first thing that I do is I get up really early in the morning. So I try to get up around five sometimes earlier, sometimes a little later, but I try to get up at the same time. And first thing that I do, have some coffee and I start journaling. And so that is sort of sets the stage of what I want my day to look like. And so I actually call that the hour of power. And I kind of stole that from Anthony Robbins. That morning time, that's my time. And I focus on myself. I focus on journaling. I focus on working out. I focus on stretching, yoga, and aside from journaling, the thing that helps me, I'd say set the stage to create a masterpiece of a day would be meditation. And so, I mean, every single day, the journaling and the meditation, it's like they're the bookends of my hour of power. And that's how, and then I come into the office and my intentions are super clear, my head's super clear, and, you know, I have a lot of energy that I can then give to others because basically like when you're in an airplane and it loses altitude, you know, they tell you, put your oxygen mask on first because you want to do that because if you don't put your own mask on, how are you going to take care of other people? So my morning ritual is me putting my oxygen mask on. Yeah. And as I speak to entrepreneurs, I think one of the common themes for stress management is meditation. Now, um, speaking to a lot of also younger entrepreneurs, meditation isn't necessarily incorporated into their routine. 
Now, how long have you been meditating for? And was it, I guess, easy for you to kind of incorporate that into your daily routine? I would say that I've been meditating on and off for 20 years, but I would say that I've been a avid meditator for probably 10 of that. And part of the meditation practice is that struggle, right? The struggle to slow the mind down, the struggle to take time to be still. And sometimes that's the hardest thing because you want to charge into your business and you want to get going and you got a million things going on, a million things going on inside your head. So the hardest thing to do is to take some deep breaths and to be silent and to get yourself into a state for at least 10 minutes. And it's a struggle. You'll spend the first couple minutes trying to tame your monkey mind. But over time, if you do it, right, and you create that routine, you're going to be able to do it every single day after that. So like with keto, like with any lifestyle change, it's repetition. It's creating a habit. So after 21 days of doing it straight, you should have that habit created. Yeah. And I think for me personally, I've tried meditation for quite some time now. And when it clicks, when it works, it's, it's magical, right? Because I mm-hmm. kind of combine meditation with breath work and it takes mm. you to a, a state that kind of transcends, you might say, but getting that consistently becomes very difficult. And then for me to have that frustration as you're trying to focus on that, but, you know, putting yourself back to be still becomes very difficult because someone like me who just wants to achieve, just wants to do this, it's very hard when you're trying to do meditation, but you're not getting that the same result that you're expecting. Ah, see, the key word was expectation. Yeah. <laughs> you had an expectation. Yeah, yeah. That's the, thing about, that's the thing about meditation, right? Meditation and expectation don't work well together. And if you're going to go into a meditation with expectation, expectations always really lead to disappointment, you know? And I, I would, I also, I mean, another thing that I practice too is stoicism, you know, like one thing that I do on a daily basis, actually before I journal is I read a passage out of the daily stoic. And that really helps me quite a bit because it teaches me to let go of expectation because expectation doesn't even exist, right? It's like, it's future-based. It's like, okay, so in the future, this particular thing is going to happen. And when you visualize like, this is going to be amazing. And you have that expectation at the end and your expectations almost always exceed reality. So unless you love to be disappointed, I would just let go of expectation. That is easier said than done because that is something that I journal about on a daily basis. And it's, you know, I just turned 60, like a few months ago. And what's interesting is I, I run into people, you know, that are in their twenties and thirties and they're like, yeah, you seem to have it all together. And you have these companies, you have all this. And it's like, no, I'm a work in progress. It's like, I'm as broken as anybody else. And I really think that we're all broken and that's just the journey, right? There's no destination. It's just the journey. It's the journey of, of patching ourselves up. It's the journey of trying to do better every single day. It's the journey of like trying to let go of expectations, you know, and letting go of expectations while you're setting goals is really hard because like I have a goal setting process that I use. It's like I set an intention, right? Okay, this is what I want to achieve. This is the outcome that I'm looking for, right? You set that intention, you create an action plan around it like a very quantifiable action plan, you know, with 
exactly things that you're going to do in detail with dates when you're going to get them done. And you just do the work, right? I mean, that's the stoic sort of path is just do the work, follow your action plan without attachment. Like don't get attached to any type of outcome because if you do the work, the outcome will just appear. And then you analyze the outcome. Is it favorable? Is this something that I want to continue doing? Have I reached, you know, where the destination that I wanted to go in the beginning? And if not, tweak your action plan and just keep rolling through it. But if you let go of those expectations, right, that will bring you some real peace. Yeah, and I think the power of Stoic philosophy is twofold as well. I think the first part is the acceptance that you control the outcome and you have the power to control your emotions, so how you're feeling and the result of that. But then the second thing is, if it doesn't work out the way it's meant to, or if your expectations aren't met, then so what? You know, there's that part where there's that self-awareness of saying, because you control it, you can control that, so what as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, the thing that you bring up is control, right? And so, like, during reading, you know, passages from the Daily Stoic, there was one page that brought up the serenity prayer. And I don't consider myself a religious person, and I don't go to, to AA, which is where the serenity prayer originated from. But I found it to be super interesting. You know, I started really diving deep into it. And it's like asking for the serenity and peace of mind to accept the things you cannot change, right? And there's so much stuff you can't change. Like you can't change time. You can't change other people. You can't change their opinions. You can't change loss. And you can't change the ultimate destination, death. Like you can't change your own mortality. We're all going to die. We're all dying every single day. You know, and just accepting those things that you cannot change, I mean, it frees you. But then, I mean, having the courage, the determination to actually change the things that you can, your attitude, you know, your habits, how you spend your time, with whom you spend your time with. I mean, those are all things that you can control. And then just really drilling into understanding and knowing the difference between what you do control and what you don't control. Yeah, you mentioned being on your your own journey previously. Mm-hmm. Now that you've turned 60, um, congratulations on that as well. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> um, where do you see yourself, I guess, in your journey at the moment, in terms of your entrepreneurial journey, in terms of the life goal that you've set yourself? That's a good question. I mean, I do like have intentions. I have intentions of, you know, expanding the Guy Gun Keto line. I mean, I have intentions of, of getting involved in, you know, the biotech industry at some point in time. I mean, I still have a lot of entrepreneurial aspirations, but when you hit 60, you realize you have lived more time than you have left. And so you start kind of planning around that, like, okay, so it's going to take me 20 years to be able to build a company to being 500 million to billion dollars, right? And it's like, okay, so even if it took me 10 years, you know, I'm going to be 70. And it's like, how much, how much productive time do you have left? I do focus on longevity and health and taking good care of myself. But, you know, we're here for a finite amount of time and we're only productive for a finite amount of time. So as you get older, you realize how sacred and precious and valuable each second of your life is. 
So if you're, if you're a person who is youthful, who's younger, I used to be younger. I remember being younger and it's like, oh, I've got all the time in the world. And the next thing you know, you're looking in the mirror and you see an old man staring back at you. And you're like, how did I get here? How did this happen? So I would say that as time goes on, I become more mindful and more guarded of my time. I don't allow my time to get wasted. And that even and that especially includes having my face glued to social media. Like social media is a pariah. It keeps us from connecting, you know, on real personal levels because as I get older, I find that having deep, meaningful personal connections with people is the most important thing. And love is the most important thing. And grace is the most important thing. So these are all things that shift, you know, like when I was younger, it's like, yeah, I'm going to make mad money. I don't have that anymore. Now it's like, what's my legacy going to be? It's going to be a legacy of loving kindness and generosity, or is it going to be a legacy of greed and, and bad behavior? Yeah. Talking about sense of urgency and um, I guess the fragile nature of, of life there. COVID-19 has brought all of that into the forefront and it has forced people to become more self-aware of those those thoughts as well because you're having a lot of people pass away who are quite young and aren't expecting to kind of pass away. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just the local market. This is a, a global pandemic that's causing stress as well. First of all, has COVID-19 impacted your business negatively? And what are some of the ways that you're tackling those challenges? That's a really great question, Tommy. Our business has been one of the fortunate businesses. You know, we're in the food industry and we support a lot of companies that make packaged shelf-stable food. So COVID-19 in that respect, our sales have grown 30, 40% over last year. That's the upside to it. The downside is that it's more expensive for us to do business now because we put all of our employees on COVID pay, which means as long as they promise to practice social distancing, wear masks, you know, basically don't leave your home, contact tracing, things like that. And then we paid, we're paying them a premium. So it's cost us more. And, and then also, I mean, we paid to have everybody get a flu shot this year because, you know, if everybody gets a flu shot, we know that if somebody gets sick, that it's more than likely not going to be the flu and we can isolate it. So we've taken certain precautions, but I think that um, in some ways it's galvanized us as a team because now we all have each other's backs. I would say on a personal level, people outside of work feel isolated, you know, because you, you, you're not really going out with your friends anymore. You're not going out to restaurants, you know, you're not going to go out to your local pub like you would. So there's a sense of isolation But I also think within that sense of isolation, people galvanizing against this, I think it brings people closer together. And I also think that it, and it's bringing out more compassion because I, the thing that really moved me is when I started looking at the numbers, like who is contracting COVID-19, what part of the demographic is more susceptible to it and more likely to, you know, to die from it. And when you look at it, it's mostly people over 70 years old. That's huge. But, you know, when I look around the city and I see, you know, people in their teens, 20s, 30s, and they're wearing masks, they're practicing social distancing. What's interesting is how beautiful and generous that is because they're doing that to protect the older population. 
And, and I think that that is really, I mean, to me, it's moving. When I see that, it's like, wow, you're, you know, you're protecting the older population so they don't get sick because a mask is to protect somebody else. It's not to protect you. So this is a terrible pandemic, but I don't know, like part of me always likes to see the positive in things. And I've seen from some people just the most beautiful levels of compassion and it's moving from other people. I've seen just stupid behavior, but I would say by and large, you're seeing more people be compassionate and graceful towards one another than you are, you know, the idiots. Yeah. And I think in combination with some of the movements that are happening as well, there's a lot more people speaking out for uh, people uh, that are doing the wrong, especially when it comes to masks and, you know, mm-hmm. entering a, a supermarket and not wearing a mask. There's a lot right. more action taking place, pl- place rather than just letting that person be. And I think this is a great step in t- towards a, a more, I guess, like you said before, galvanized and more encompassed community. I do. And, you know, I, I think that in every situation, you know, like situations that can get pretty dark, I mean, there's always a little bit of lightness in those. We're talking about hindsight now and on goal setting as well. Was there a key opportunity or challenge that if you look back in hindsight, either it's regret or you wish you would have done that? Because, you know, you're talking about, mm. you're seeing a lot of uh, 20-year-olds who are just uh, all about the hustle and, and bustle and forgetting about just the compassion, the love and having that deep conversations. Do you have a message for those people to be more self-aware of those emotions? Well, the first part of the question was about regret. Like, do I have any, any things that I regret? And you know what? I mean, I try to not be a person who has regret. So if you have regret, go fix it. And mm-hmm. I would say that some of the regrets that I've had are relationships that I destroyed because I was way focused on business and being a success financially um, than I was on like deep, meaningful connections. And so I would say if, if you've broken some of those relationships, don't carry the regret with you. Own it. Just own it. Apologize because relationships with people are far more important than monetary gain. I would say if you're a young entrepreneur starting out, do the things that you love and the money will follow. It's like if you everything that I've ever done purely for, hey, I can make a little money doing this, it's never worked out. Like you'll get the money, but you're going to lose it because it's not money from my perspective perspective is an exchange of energy, right? And if you put out good energy, you're going to get good energy back. If you put out bad energy, you're going to get bad energy back. So I would say put yourself in check when you feel like you're being an opportunist, create a good set of values, you know, and I would say that that's going to be, that's going to give you a longer amount of happiness rather than, Hey, I have a bunch of money because after the money runs out or after you find that money's not the answer for you, you got nothing. Yeah. And that really speaks dearly to my heart because I've set myself a a challenge or, you know, to kind of proof of concept this idea of money not bringing happiness. At some point in the near future, the intent is to cut my income by half, but to focus on doing more of the things that I enjoy. And then using that as a means of proof of concept to create that self-awareness for myself, that money isn't the fact that I should be chasing. But it, because it's still ingrained in me that you know I need to make some level of success before I become happy, 
but that's just something that I've placed upon myself and hopefully we can get some good results out of that. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful attitude. Yeah, I wish I would have had that when I was younger. So you're going to be, you're probably going to be far, far more successful than I'll ever be. Yeah. Now, is there a transformation for yourself? You're happy that you achieved now that's, you know, you're towards the legacy time of your career in life? You know, I would say that I would say that I'm always a work in progress. I would say the things that make me happy is my commitment to working on myself on a daily basis trying to bring more self-discipline into my world, trying to bring in more self-acceptance, acceptance of other people. So I wouldn't say that I would hang my hat on one particular outcome. I would just say that I'm proud of the work that I continue to do. Tom, is there anything you'd like to speak about that I've forgotten to mention? No, not really, but I would just say times are very strange right now. And there is not enough love, kindness, and grace right now in the world. So if you are listening, reach out to a friend, reach out to a colleague, you know, and tell them that they're important, that they matter. I think it's important to just share grace and, and kindness. Tom, thank you for coming on the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast today. Thank you for sharing your story. I love uh, discussing to your, uh, with you uh, the concept of self-awareness and compassion as well. So thank you for joining tommy thank you so much and yeah i wish you the greatest and continued success there you have it guys thank you for tuning into the stressless entrepreneur podcast with me your host tommy Bowie. if you like what you've heard today please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends leave us a review so that we can take on your comments grow with you as a channel and keep providing you quality stress-free content if you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on tommy at tommybui.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.